0: Good morning church family. Nice to be in the house of the Lord. Nice to sing worship, praises to his name. Thank you music team for reminding us that our creator Jesus is the prince of peace and that we can find peace and hope in him. And for Laura sharing about Pax, what an amazing ministry that is, touching so many lives. And there's another amazing ministry this holiday season that's going on. It's called Follow the Star. Are you familiar with Follow the Star? It happened last week. It's happening this week. There's uh, This weekend, there's two nights left tonight and tomorrow night. And uh, it touches people in many ways. And I'm looking forward to having my four year old grandson join us tonight, our two. Granddaughters, uh, one is six, so they couldn't be with us. They live in College Place, but uh, planning to go through the live Nativity, about six stations, and learn uh, learn more about the story of Jesus. And the little four year old, every time he sees a cross, every time he sees a, a manger scene, he wants to more and more information about who Jesus is. So it'll be a great opportunity to do that. Well, today's sermon is the second one in a series of three. In our first scripture reading this morning that Daniel read, Jesus claims that he is three things as the Son of God. Jesus tells his disciples, he tells us today, that Jesus is the way, the and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, as uh, Elder Lee mentioned today, the beginning of the service... Uh, we had a profound moment a god moment uh, early yesterday morning i mentioned to the uh, dawn the and I, is it adrian that greeted this morning they asked well what amazing thing did jesus do for you this week and i said well it was an amazing thing a profound thing because we got a call at 12:30 in the morning yesterday morning, uh, from the care facility where Shalene, my wife, where her dad has been for the and his wife for the last about two years, suffering from uh, Alzheimer's disease uh, dementia. Many of you are touched in your families through that as well. And uh, we had just visited uh, Grandpa Don um, just a couple days before and we could see that he was transitioning and so there was some discussion after that meeting two days ago about comfort care, about hospice care and so Shalene is the older of three children. She has two younger brothers, one in Florida one in Beaverton and so there was some discussion that proceeded after that uh, visit on Wednesday as to how we were to prepare for that. Well we get the call Friday night and the nurse on duty said I believe your uh, father is transitioning so we got in the car. Uh, We got there about 45 minutes later to be at his bedside about 10 minutes before he took his last breath and uh, uh, that's a profound thing you know that's a a sacred moment when you see the breath of life return unto the Lord and uh, we counted a blessing that we by uh, God's pr- uh, provisions that we were able to be there And uh, uh, she has seen that she has been by her bedside when uh, her mother died at the age of 59, when her grandparents had died. So uh, we thank the Lord that Jesus is alive. He is the resurrection and the life. So the next time I'm on the speaking schedule, I will continue with the third of this series, Jesus is Alive. Well, today we'll focus on Jesus, the truth. Well... What is truth? What is truth? This is an age-old question that has challenged the best minds for centuries. Truth is something to be greatly desired in our lives. It is something that we strive for. It is, it's the truth that we want. We, sometimes we demand truth from others. Knowing the truth, fully disclosing the truth, is foundational to our level of trust in others. Well, maybe you are familiar with the classic courtroom promise where the witnesses in the stand with the, their right hand on the Bible, they say, I promise to, to, what? to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Well, truth is used and abused for many purposes in social, political, even religious settings. Uh, I am reminded, and some of you may remember, a feature movie that came out 30 years ago titled A Few Good Men. The movie revolves around this court martial of two U.S. Marines charged with the murder of a fellow Marine, and the tribulations of their lawyer as he prepares the case to defend his clients. Well, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, the prosecuting attorney, played by Tom Cruise, takes great risk at calling Colonel Nathan Jaffe or Nathan Jessup to testify. Colonel Jessup is the commanding officer played by Jack Nicholson. The cross-examination in the movie and the testimony are tense. Caffey is initially stumped by the proceedings. Then he manages to unnerve Jessup by pointing out a flaw in his testimony. The colonel had stated that Santiago, the Marine that had been harassed and eventually killed, was due to be transferred off the base for his own safety in case the other Marines sought retribution. But the colonel also stated that Marines are honorable, Honorable men who always follow orders. Thus, if the other Marines were ordered to leave Santiago alone and always follow orders, then Santiago would have been in no danger whatsoever and would not have to have been transferred. Under, he- under heavy pressure from Lieutenant Caffey and unnerved by being caught in one of his own lies, Colonel Jessup furiously declares, You can't handle the truth. Then he dismisses Caffey as disrespectful of a Marine doing his duty, ultimately confessing that he did, Colonel Jessup, did order the code red, which led to Santiago's death. As Jessup angrily justifies his actions on the basis of national security, he is arrested. And there is a verdict of not guilty on the murder uh, charges for the two Marines that were following Colonel Jessup's orders. The two men are dishonorably discharged... ...for having caused Santiago's death through their conduct unbecoming of a United States Marine. One of the Marines does not understand why he's been given a dishonorable discharge. And he's upset with that. But the other accepts the verdict and explains that they did. They failed to stand up for those too weak to stand up for themselves... Like their Colonel uh, like their uh, fellow Santiago uh, the soldier, so as par- powerfully illustrated in this movie, our self proclaimed truth is at times used to promote our own self focused agendas to justify our own actions to actually promote a string of lies in order to preserve, preserve our own image and purpose as one of the Movie taglines states, in the heart of the nation's capital, in the courthouse of the U.S. government, one man will stop at nothing to keep his honor, and one will stop at nothing to find the truth. Let's open our study today in prayer. Triune God, we ask you to guide us as as, uh, we open your word. Guide us in understanding and give us the specific message that you have prepared for each one of us today. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that we can find in a relationship with you and a relationship with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I invite you to take out your Bibles or access them on your devices and look up the first verse of our series for today. And Daniel read that John 14 verses 5 and 6. Remember the setting of this story. Jesus had just told his disciples that he needed to go away to prepare a place for them and that he would come again. John 14, verses 5 and 6. Thomas, one of the disciples, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? I'm guessing maybe the other disciples may have had that question too. But Jesus, in uh, verse 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The main point of the sermon today is this. Jesus is claiming that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is telling us he is the only way to the Heavenly Father, and that's only through him. Furthermore, Jesus is stating that he is the truth, the only truth, the true truth. He invites us each to believe in him. In Jesus, the truth sets us free. When he, left the earth, when he left this earth the first time, he promised to send us the Holy Spirit, God himself, who will lead us in spirit and in truth. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we in turn have the privilege of walking in the truth, sharing the gospel of salvation with others around us. As we look at the scriptures this morning, what can we learn about the significance of Jesus' claim that I am the truth? And furthermore, what difference does that make in our lives today? To begin with, Jesus is the Word. He came to reveal to us who God is. Well, let's look back a few pages to John 1, 14. John, chapter 1, the Gospel of John. Chapter 1, verse 14. The Word of the Lord says this. And the Word, who is the Word, by the way? Jesus, good, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Jesus Christ's mission statement. And his earthly mission goal was to dwell among us, to live among us, to sanctuary with us, to show us God, to reveal to us who the Heavenly Father is. Remember, Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen who? Seen the Heavenly Father. According to this verse, what two traits, what two traits does Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father both share? They are both full of what? grace and truth. That's exactly right. In one of his final prayers... And we'll see that in John 17, still in the Gospel of John, if you flip over to John 17. In one of his final prayers before his death on the cross, Jesus prayed for his followers. Now, he also prayed for each one of us today as well. To believe in the truth and to be sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. Sanctified in the truth. So let's look at John chapter 17. verses uh, verses 8 and then we'll go to uh, verse 17 and uh, 19 verse 8 Jesus said for I have given them the words that you gave me he's speaking now he's praying to his father for Jesus said, I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Okay, let's look forward in the prayer to verse 17. Sanctify them, set them apart. Jesus prays for us to be set apart to. Sanctify them. In the word, your word is truth. And then verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So Jesus is sending us into the world. Verse 19, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Well, the question again is, what is truth? We asked the question at the beginning of the sermon. Let's look at a critical event at the end of Christ's earthly ministry to see how he answered that question. How did Jesus answer that question? Turn with me a few pages forward to chapter 18, John chapter 18, beginning with verse 37 and 38. This is a conversation again. In with Jesus and Pilate, Pilate is the Roman governor of Judea and so he was on trial and went through many trials, a short amount of time. verse 38 verse 38. Uh, let's start with verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am king for this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the what? To the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And uh, then it says, after, after Pilate had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. I find no guilt in him at all. So some questions for you as we see this interchange between Pilate and Jesus. What was Pilate's motivation? What was Pilate's motivation behind his question, what is truth? Was there a political motive? Do you think there there might have been a political motive? Some of you might say yes. Um, How about a spiritual motive? I've wondered at times when I've seen this interchange, is the Holy Spirit speaking to Pilate's heart? I, I believe he was. What was most expedient and beneficial to Pilate? To get rid of Jesus, right? Jesus is a bother. Is causing problems in this uh, area of Judea. Did Pilate really want to know the truth? No. Could he handle the truth? Well, Jesus' call to be in the truth goes way beyond man-made agendas and earthly purposes. So I uh, had a little bit of inspiration. I got a little time maybe to do this. But... Um, I was thinking about this truth, and I appreciate uh, the AV team to put up a couple of these uh, quotes. This one was uh, from Ellen White in 1849, and I'll give you a little background here. I've heard present truth in our denomination for years. What is present truth? Well, in one of the definitions that I found, it's a belief in truth as appropriate to any given time. Now, growing up as a Lutheran, for example, uh, I had the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. I needed to memorize those before I got confirmed and was a voting member of the church at age 13. But those creeds never changed. And when I joined the church in in my early 20s, I asked about, well, what are the creeds that we share in the church? And it was an interesting answer because uh, the creeds kind of lock... Things in time, in a certain moment, in a certain situation in time. And so the Adventist Church doesn't have creeds, but it is ever changing by the needs. The the principles of God never change. But how do we present uh, the the gospel? How do we respond to the truth and the gospel message? Well, present truth is a belief in truth as appropriate to a given time. And uh, you think about a little history in our church. Uh, The original title of the Adventist Review, which is the official church news magazine, was called The Present Truth. It was begun by uh, the Adventist pioneer James White, Ellen's um, husband, and then uh, by a former Adventist, uh, Robert Brinsmean, He had a magazine called Present Truth Magazine and then I found one that I am curious about I haven't got a chance to access it yet but a contemporary of ours uh, he is an Adventist theologian serving in our seminary today his name is Jan J-O-N Dr. Jan Pauline and he has a, a book titled Present, <clears throat> Present Truth in, a, in the Real World and I'm really interested in finding out what his perspective is on that well take us back to 1849 1849, about five years after the Great Disappointment, 1844, the Great Disappointment, before our denomination uh, was established as a denomination, and Ellen White writes, Dear brethren and sisters, the Lord has shown me that it is my duty to relate to you what he has revealed to me regarding the what? The present truth. Our present tried, scattered, and tempted state, and our duty in view of the coming judgments of God. So Ellen White was very much in tune about the state of society and the state of God's followers at the time, and she shared with uh, the followers what God had shared with her. Later in that um, that letter, she says, "Satan is now using every device in the sealing time." Do you believe that that's happening today? Uh-huh. I believe that Satan is now using every device in the sealing time to keep the minds of God's people from the present sealing truth and to cause them to waver. I saw a cover that God was drawing over his people to protect them in the time of trouble. And every soul that was decided on the truth and was pure in heart was to be covered by the covering of the almighty God. Praise the Lord for that. The covering of Christ's righteousness. And then later on, she uh, <clears throat> writes a little more. And if you uh, Google this under Ellen White's writings, there's many, many uh, uh, references to the present truth. But she writes in uh, Christ's Object Lessons, page twenty or 277. I think it's the par- first paragraph of that. She writes, John the Baptist came preaching truth, and by his preaching, sinners were convicted and converted. These would go on to the into the kingdom of heaven before the ones who in self-righteousness resisted the solemn warning. Did you catch that? The publicans and the harlots were ignorant, but these learned men, and she's referring to scribes and Pharisees, the, the church leaders, which... Um, Jesus had some harsh words for uh, church leaders, but he also met them at night, like Nicodemus who had questions. But he said, uh she wrote, the publicans and the harlots were ignorant, but these learned men knew the way of truth. Yet they refused to walk in the path which leads to the paradise of God. The truth that should have been to them a savor of life unto life became a savor of death unto death. Open sinners who loathed themselves had received baptism at the hands of John. But these teachers were hypocrites. Their own stubborn hearts were the obstacle to their receiving the truth. They resisted the conviction of the Spirit of God. They refused obedience to God's commandments. Again, like harsh words. And I think about being a leader in our church, and I think, wow, that is a message for me to Make sure that I'm in tune with the Lord and not uh, just following my own agenda. And uh, so that and and that's a to, to all the leaders of all of our churches. It's a huge um, accountability, a responsibility to lead. But then it's also such a blessing to do so. She writes uh, later on in the paragraph number two, Christ did not say to them um, the uh teachers and the scribes and the leaders Christ did not say to them you cannot enter you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven but he showed that showed that the obstacle which prevented them from entering was there of their own creating the door was still open to these Jewish leaders the invitation was still held out Christ longed to see them convicted and converted praise the Lord well, let's turn uh, a few chapters back to John 8. We're, we're hanging around in the Gospel of John today. There's a lot to say about uh, Jesus' words and about truth. Well, let's look at John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Daniel read that to us already. It's the second key verse of today. Let's begin with verse 8. Verse 8. I'm sorry, um, verse 31. Verse 31. And the title of my uh, Bible says, The truth will set you free. Verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse... uh, Well, let's stop right there. And the truth will set you free. What does Jesus mean... When he says the truth will make you free or set you free. It sounds like there's freedom when we come to Jesus, when we abide in this word. Is that true? That's good news. That is very true. So again, who is the word? You told me already. You Who is the word? Jesus Christ. He tells us that we can know the truth. Well, who is the truth? Capital T. Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the the life. So who will make us free? Jesus Jesus Christ indeed. Amen. Well, how does Jesus set us free? What's the opposite of truth? What's the opposite of truth? Lies. Lies. Okay. Who's the father of lies? satan so these lies these half truths these untruths they all bind us they ensnare us they imprison us i i I so remember the lesson of my childhood i have heard this counsel often one lie leads to another lie that leads to another lie and to another lie until we may not even be aware of what the truth looks like anymore And uh, Jesus, the truth, sets us free from the bondage of sin, free, uh, free from the snare of lies. These verses are a call to each of us to evaluate ourselves, I believe, to truly know what is missing in our lives, maybe who is missing in our lives, and seek Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. I, uh, one vacation a few years back, I like to take books on vacation because that's the only time I get a chance to really read them on the airplane and a few other things that we're doing. I always carry a book with me. Well, uh, one vacation a few years back, and you'll see it on the screen, I, I finished reading Pastor John Ortberg's book entitled, Who Is This Man? I would like to share a few paragraphs. He writes, "Because of Jesus' emphasis on the heart, goodness does not begin the goodness does not begin with right behavior. It begins with openness to the truth about the mess of my inner being." He writes, "Jesus said, if you hold my hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free." The truth will set you free. And then he says, but first it may make you miserable. Ortberg goes on and writes, let's try a thought experiment. You go in for a checkup. The doctor says to you, you are a magnificent physical specimen. You have a body of an Olympian. You are to be congratulated. Well, later that day, while climbing the stairs, you're... Your heart gives out on you. You find later that your arteries are so clogged that you're one jelly donut away from the grim reaper. He's a creative writer. Uh, So he writes, you go back to the doctor and say, why didn't you tell me? Well, the doctor says, I know your body is in worse shape than the Pillsbury Doughboy, but if I tell people stuff like that, they get kind of offended. It's really bad for my business. They don't come back. I want this to be a safe place where you feel loved and accepted. Well, you'd be furious, wouldn't you? You say to the doctor, when it comes to my body, I want to know the truth. (laughs) Well, as Ortberg points out in his book, we each must recognize a need in our lives that we cannot fulfill on our own, a need for God to work in us and to work through us. In the Bible, who is it that leads us into all truth? The Holy Spirit. It's God Himself. I heard it over here. It's the Holy Spirit, God Himself, right? That's right. Jesus promises the gift of a helper, the spirit of truth. Let's look at John 16. John 16, verses 7 and then 13. Still in the Gospel of John. John 16, and then uh, verses 7 and 13. Jesus said, "...nevertheless, I tell you the truth." It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who is the Helper? The Holy Spirit, God Himself. Let's go down to um, verse 13 of that same chapter. Verse 13. Jesus said when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are, are to come. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit, the helper, the spirit of truth will guide us into how much truth? All, all truth. For what purpose? In Ephesians. So we're going to jump ahead in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we can trust in Jesus Christ to accept the word of truth, which is the gospel of our salvation, believing in him, being sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13. I don't think I had that on the slide. Uh, anyway, Ephesians 1.13. In, uh, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, I like reading church signs. I show one of, the, of these church signs to you on the screen that... Uh, Slide 14, the next one. Uh, I like reading church signs, and here's one. Uh, this church is called the Word of Truth Church. I'm driving by the, the Word of Truth church i'd be interested in visiting that church one of these days because if they focus on jesus christ uh, the truth that would be an amazing opportunity to worship and then it brought to mind my question how then shall we worship how then shall we worship if we know that jesus is the truth he gives us the answer in uh, john chapter 4 verse 23 so going back to john chapter 4 verse 23 He writes, uh, the uh, inspired word uh, is, goes like this. There it is, top of the page. Uh, It's top of page 1612 of my Bible, if you're wondering where the, it's verse 23. Jesus said, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Amen. So also an important part of worship is prayer. The book of Psalms has many examples of prayer, and I just picked out a few of them. The first one is Psalm 43, verse 3. Oh, send out your light and your truth... Let them lead me, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? We're asking the Lord to be uh, led by um, his light. And then Psalm 25 verse 5. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. So if you're looking for prayer ideas on how to reach Jesus the truth, there's just a few of them. So what then, in closing, the question is what then shall we do with the truth that has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ? How then shall we live? Each of us is challenged to accept the call of action based on learning more in the scriptures about Jesus, the truth. May I suggest three options? Number one, recognize the truth does not dwell in humankind. It is not naturally in us. The question, what is true, shall be more accurately expressed as who is the truth. You can advance it to, I think, there it is. So, the first one is, recognize that the truth does not dwell naturally within us. And so, the question, what is true, should be more accurately expressed as who is truth. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. This is a gift, (laughs) To each of us from above, the truth dwells in the triune God. Number two suggestion, acknowledge the gift and the giver. Give recognition and praise to our Lord the way who gives us the truth which points us to the gift of life, His life. And number three, submit our lives to Jesus who then empowers us to live the life He has called us to live to be fully and completely dependent upon Him. How then shall we uh, interact with others? What should our relationship be with those around us? A while back, one church member, he's a friend of mine, he stated that his most important focus in his Christian walk is to hear the truth, to know the truth, and to share the truth. How does that come across to you? In in my mind, I'm thinking, uh, I think that church member says, I have the truth and you don't. That might be the implication that I heard. And that's that's not, I don't think, what he was saying. But sometimes uh, that came across as the people of the truth. We have the present truth. We know the truth. And maybe you don't. Well, we talked a little bit about, Cedric talked a little bit about that in uh, Sabbath school today. The important thing is that if we keep first things first, keep first things first, the context of understanding and communicating God's truth, the Bible counsels us to speak the truth in love. So let's look at Ephesians, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 15. Ephesians 4, verse 15. Rather, Paul is writing to the believers at the church of Ephesus, and he's talking to us in the stone tower today. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So that is what we're called to do. Speak the truth in love. This this is a call to follow Jesus' example. We must believe in who He is and trust Him in our lives. When I think about how we have the opportunity to share with Christ with others, I'm reminded of what Edward Murrow, a great American broadcast journalist, once said. He said, To be persuasive, we must be believable. To be believable, we must be credible. To be credible, credible, we must be truthful. Will we recognize that the true truth does not naturally dwell within us? We don't have all the answers without Christ. Will we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the truth and recognize that we need him in our lives today, every hour of today, through the gift of the Holy Spirit? Will we fully submit our lives to the triune God and worship Him only. What will be my choice today? What will be your choice today? Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life is coming to set God's people free. Let us uh, find the truth then and find the hope and the rest in Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence today, true and tender, pure and precious. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. May we each fully accept Jesus in our lives, trust in him completely, and follow him in all that we do. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that guides us into all truth. Be with us. This coming week, give us opportunities to share your beautiful gospel of salvation with others that we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.